0: Welcome to Coaching Culture, the podcast where we discuss how we can use sports and not let them use us. I'm JP Nervin, the founder of Thrive on Challenge. And the mission for this podcast is to connect leaders in athletics to help us create a transformational culture by building leadership and character. Now let's get started. All right, welcome to episode 24, valuing role players with Alabama softball national champion Jordan Patterson. Jordan, Most importantly, is an amazing person, has a fantastic story uh, as a former Alabama softball player where she won her national championship playing under the legendary national championship coach, Patrick Murphy. She is not on the podcast to talk about her glory days, but more importantly, the lessons she learned as a reserve and a backup catcher for four years. Today's message is one for coaches, parents and athletes. There's so many different themes here for athletes about resilience, parents about how to be supportive of your of the athletes, and for the majority of the listeners on this podcast, which is coaches, I think it really sends a message about empathy. We need to have empathy for those players uh, at the end of the bench and also really value them. And how can we do that? And Jordan shares some of the ways that Patrick Murphy made her feel valued. So enjoy and take some notes. All right, I'm here with Jordan Patterson. And, um, Jordan, can you give us a brief overview of your story in softball?
1: Yeah, so thanks for having me, JP. Um, so I grew up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where the University of Alabama is, for those of you who don't know. Um, I was a huge Bama fan. My parents were coaches at Alabama, actually, uh, gymnastics coaches. So I grew up going to all of the athletic events, um, all the softball games, because I was a softball player, and uh, I really just kind of uh, was a super fan. I was an Alabama softball super fan, mm-hmm. so it was kind of my dream to play there, and I ended up getting the opportunity, um, the coach, Patrick Murphy, uh, he offered me a spot on the team my junior year of high school, and it was definitely a dream come true. Uh, so I started college in 2010 and showed up on campus, was super excited. Uh, I kind of knew going into it that I probably wouldn't play that much in the first two years. Um, there were two catcher. I was a catcher, and there were two catchers that were two years older than me. So I kind of went in with the mentality like, okay, I'm going to work really hard for these two years. I'm going to learn as much as I can. I'm going to be a great teammate and, you know, contribute from the bench um, and you know take it try to take advantage of any opportunities that I do get um, and just kind of like be a positive uh, a positive source of energy and all that uh, from the bench. So the first two years um, were great. We won the national championship my sophomore year. Um, so that was just like the best experience of my life thus far. And so I worked really hard. Uh, I was, like, coming to practice early, staying late. So we win the national championship, and then I, like, that summer, I mean, I was killing it. I mean, I was, like, in the best shape of my life. Um, I felt like I was, like, hitting the ball well when I would go practice. I mean, I was just, like, I was all in because in my head it was, like, okay, this is my chance now. Um, I'm going to, like, be the catcher. Like, these other two girls graduated. It's, like, finally my time. So uh, sometime that summer, I get a call from my coach, and they told me that we're getting a transfer. And they didn't say what their position was. They just said we're getting a transfer. So I go online and look at the article, and I remember just like I think I started. I don't know if I started crying immediately, but my <laughs> heart, my heart just like sunk because this girl, her name was Molly, and she was a catcher. So we were getting a catcher, and I kind of like went through this roller coaster of emotions, like so why would my coach bring in a catcher if he trusts me and, like, thinks that I can do, like, if he, he wouldn't bring someone in if he thought that I could do it kind of thing, so I was really upset, um, but, you know, I got over it, and Molly came in the fall, and she ended up being my best friend. She was my roommate my senior year, Um, so we got along great, uh, and then sometime that fall, I think, she, Molly was just killing it in these scrimmages. I mean, for, like, the preseason scrimmages, she was, like, throwing people out left and right. She was hitting home runs. I was just like, okay. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I was not doing those things. Um, but that was just kind of a really, like, hard time uh, in my life, my, my career. Uh, and I kind of just had to, like, work through a lot of stuff, like, mentally. Um, because, you know, I had gotten so excited and, like, I was so ready for it to be my turn, and it kind of became clear that Molly was going to beat me out, Um, So and she did. So I spent my next two years um, mostly on the bench, um, my junior and senior year, and I just kind of had to come to a point where I was, uh, you know, okay with my role, just had to come to a place mentally where I still was working really hard, but I was working hard because I wanted to be able to push other people to work hard and not necessarily because I thought I was going to play. Um, so I still, like, worked my butt off, you know, did everything I could do. And we ended up getting second my senior year uh, at the World Series. And, I, you know, when I, let, when I walked off the field, I really didn't have any regrets, even though I was pretty much a bench player for four years. But I had done every single thing I could do. Like, I could not have worked harder. Um, so it really, like, gave me a piece about it and I didn't have any regrets when I was done. After I graduated, I went to law school, also at Alabama, and I, and the way it works in law school is you kind of, uh you work in the summer, and that's how, like, if you're going to go to a law firm, you have to work there in the summer, so it came time to apply for summer jobs, and I wanted to come to D.C., which is where I am now, so I went and applied for this, or i kind of told a family friend that I wanted to come to D.C., and she was like, oh, you should meet this guy that I know. So I go to breakfast with this guy, and it turns out he's, like, a big wig at the law firm, and he's in charge of all the hiring. So I go to breakfast with him. turns out he Googled me before we went, and I had Googled him, but, like, of course I Googled him because he's, you know, one of his clients was the kingdom of Belgium, if that says to I mean, it's like, he's, like, ridiculous. He he had Googled me, and there had been two articles written about me, uh, I think my senior year in college, that kind of just, like, basically said that, like, I was a really hard worker and a good teammate, essentially. And he had read those articles, and he was like, you know, this is what I'm looking for in people that I hire, and I have proof that you are this, so, like, we want to interview you, even though the sperm was, like, definitely out of my league, like, they recruit from ivy leagues like it was crazy so i ended up coming back to interview with them like a week later for a formal interview because i was just at breakfast with this guy and in my formal interview the guy the another attorney asked me he was like so did you play a lot at alabama because i have like mm-hmm. alabama softball on my resume and he i was like uh well, no, I didn't. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Like, they're going to be – because you never know how people are going to respond to that. Um, yeah. And yep. he said – he was like, so what did you learn from that? So I just go into this, like – basically probably was on this podcast. I just go into this diatribe about how it made me just such a better person and how I learned so much from that experience and how it made me resilient and, you know, taught me the value of teamwork, which is the easiest thing for me to talk about. It's like second nature because I lived that. So it was a very, like, comfortable experience, and the interview went well. And so they ended up hiring me, so I came up to work (laughs) over the summer, got a full-time offer, and now I actually live in D.C. and work at the law firm. I definitely feel like I got my job where I am due to my experience in college. So um, it's definitely given me more than I could have ever dreamed.
0: Yeah, I think that's, like, one of the challenges about challenging life experiences as you know that this challenge that came in your way was really critical and helped shaping you as you are right now. But if you could go back and do things and have things different, I'm sure you would like to have still played, you know, and that's that's, that's the challenging thing. You'd still like to have been a player on that team, I'm sure. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You were a backup for the national championship Alabama. (laughs) So, like, you still have to be a pretty insanely good uh, softball player for sure. Um, one thing that really kind of struck me about your, so you wrote a blog about this and it became really, really popular. Um, I stumbled upon it years ago. I remember reading it and going, huh, that's a great story. And I, I'm sure I share it with people. Um, there's not many blogs that I read. In fact, I can't tell you one blog that I read two years ago or a year ago, um, other than yours. And that, uh-huh. that was, it really had such an impact on me. Uh, there's some things that. I'd love to, to dissect there. And one of the things you talk about is how your coach, um you had when he made that decision to bring this girl in, you had full trust in your coaches um, mm-hmm. that they were going to bring they wouldn't bring anybody in the, into that family they didn't belong there right. how did your how did your coach build that trust um so that when he decided to make a tough move, and I'm sure that was tough for him, um how did he build that trust though no.
1: i okay, so one of my favorite and i I refer to my coach as Murph just so you know um That's good yeah. so <laughs> i um one of my favorite quotes uh, that Murph actually. I think I heard this from Murph. It's not his quote, but he says it. Um, He says, people don't know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And Murph kind of really uses that, I feel like as one of his, um, his mantras, I guess. And he makes it very clear from like the moment you step on campus that he cares about you as a person first and as a player second. And everything that he does holds true to that principle uh like he invests in his players a lot off the field um you know doing things like he brings he'll bring in people to practice like to speak to us about like nothing related to softball like one lesson that he brought in he brought in a guy to show us how to give a proper handshake for a business meeting like things like that he really cares about our success in life and he makes it really clear from day one and you know when things are going on in our personal lives or anything like that, like Murph is perceptive. He is present. He he cares about just our lives more more than he cares about our batting average, and more than he cares about, you know, whether we can throw a runner out stealing or anything like that. And uh, I think that that really enabled me to trust him first because like knowing that he cared about me off the field and not just like I wasn't just an X or an O to him, it made me trust what he said and did when it came to softball. Um, So I think just the little things in showing that he cared about us as people and not just as players enabled me to trust the decisions that he made that affected me as a player.
0: I think it's really challenging. I think sometimes coaches try to approach it like a business perspective. Don't take this personal but what he was asking you to do was to step down into or step into a role, um, which you would see at that time as a player is stepping down um, to another player in some aspects, you know. And and for him to require you to be a role player in that, um, you know, it, it, you know, he's he's asking a sacrifice on your part, you know. And so I think that that's a great point you make there. I think a lot of coaches come from a background. I know this personally. I mean, I spent a year on the bench of University of South Carolina, and I knew 100%. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't close enough to being able to play. I think a lot of us coaches, though, come from situations where we were never that guy at the end of the bench. And I don't have any statistics that, but I just, you know, you most coaches were some of the more, you know, successful players in their sport. And so sometimes I think we have a trouble uh, with empathy when it comes to that position. You yeah, know, like no, it's, I really, agree. it's really hard, you know. Uh, to empathize with that player when you've never been in their shoes. So, right. did he show moments of empathy? Did he have conversations with you about this? How you know you had lost this opportunity to be a starter potentially, or was it ever brought up, or did it not even need to be discussed?
1: So, I don't recall Murph and I ever having a conversation, particularly about like Molly transferring in and like how she was a catcher, because you know the way Murph works is. Whoever plays the best is going to play. Like, he doesn't play politics. That's how he is. So I think that until Molly came in and demonstrated that she was the best player, like, I I had no doubt in my mind that I had just as an equal – like, when that season started, I had no doubt in my mind that I had just as much of a chance as the other catchers to play because that's how Murph works. Um, and I think, you know, once, once the playing started happening, it was just pretty – evident that molly was the best player um so i don't think we really needed to have a conversation um but i think that you know what murph does that made that enabled me to kind of accept my role was that he that i think a lot of coaches don't do is that he really genuinely valued um the role players on our team like uh, it's one story i'll never forget um my freshman year we had just won the sec championship and we walked back onto the bus, and Murph kind of like talks to us on the bus, like our post game huddle. And I was sitting; the freshmen sit in the front, and it's like the scene is kind of those freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors, kind of. Uh, so I was kind of up towards Murph because I was a freshman, and uh, he started talking in our post game huddle. And the fir- very first thing he said, he looked down right at me and he said, "Jordan." And I had I probably played—I don't even know—like five games that whole year. <laughs> um, and yeah. he was like, "Jordan." Your ring is just as big as Kelsey Dunn's ring, and he Kelsey Dunn was our All-American pitcher that you know pitched the majority of our games that season, and I'll just I'll never forget that, and I think that that moment really shaped kind of like my four years there, Um, because in that like just for him in that moment when we had just won the SEC championship, he for his first words out of his mouth to be validating, you know my role on the team, which. I I don't think I really realized I don't know if I really respected my role at that point. I mean, I tried to be like a a good teammate, yeah. but I don't know if I really saw the value in it. But when he saw value in me and like what I added, I was able to see value in myself and and what I could bring to the table, and I think that that really set the tone for me for the next 4 years because I just always kept coming back to that. I was like, "No, he thinks that this is important, and so I want to be good at this." Uh and I think that a lot of coaches don't – they would never do that. Like a lot of coaches that I <laughs> um, that I see on other teams, um, I think the good ones do. But, you know, when I – I had an opportunity – I mean, I've had an opportunity to talk to a lot of different people and a lot of them, you know, some of them coaches. And when they start, you know, complaining like, oh, like we just uh, – complaining about the culture on their benches, it makes me question like, well, what are you doing to – foster an environment where they feel like they're valued because I really think it starts at the top and I think that with Murph it it definitely started at the top. He set a tone of I value every single person and every single role and so everyone else in turn valued every role.
0: So I think that's incredibly interesting because your coach is obviously one of the top coaches and and when it comes to his sport and his Mm -hmm. collegiate level. you know, We had talked a little bit before the podcast about and I'd share with you about Anson Dorant, and he's at North Carolina, the women's soccer coach there. And he shares something on a book I read recently, where he talked about the team's culture is very obviously reflected in the role players, the bench players, the non-starters.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I absolutely, you know, it's completely in line with what you're talking about with your coach. You know, your coach valued Murph valued um, the, the the role players, and he made a point yeah. of that. And we have to do that. And I love how you also said. You knew you could compete for your spot, and he was picking the best. It wasn't like, well, I just think she's more talented. It was like who earns it, and you felt. I think there's a difference between this girl's really talented and this girl's the better player. You know, and I think sometimes people, coaches, can get caught up on talent, and players see that, and they can see through that. All right, so that's it for the very first part of my conversation with Jordan. A few things that we can just absolutely definitely take away as coaches. And the first is, are we helping our players, our athletes, to see their experience, whether whatever their role be, whatever sacrifice they have to make as a learning experience, as an opportunity for them to grow? That's not easy to do. And part with that, the second thing we can do is we really need to make sure that we're seeing our players as people not just as athletes that are doing something for us. And Jordan goes into that, and that's at the core of the difference between a transactional versus a transformational coach. What can you do for me? No, it should be what can I do for you? And to do that, we have to make them feel valued. We have to help them feel that we care about them. And that's the part of the story I love when Coach Murphy shares immediately uh, with Jordan that your ring means as much as anybody else's out there no matter what your role was here, you still played a significant part. So that's it for part one with Jordan Patterson. Um, If you want to reach out to her, uh, go to Twitter. It's her Twitter handle is jpatt2492. Also, if you just Google Jordan Patterson, the game knows, you can read her blog. It'll be one of the first hits up there. Um, And you can read her blog. I also put a link to it uh, in iTunes and on my Twitter page, Uh, so, so you can definitely check this out. Share her blog with your players. Share your blog with the parents. It's just an amazing story worth sharing, and I look forward to sharing more with you next episode.